Hi, I'm Maria Thea Harris of Velosos, and you're listening to a Sewing, Save and Mending podcast. Grab a cuppa and join us. Sew, Organised Style podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. Today, Katrine of Mending Mayhem is back. Thank you so much, Katrine, for coming back onto So Organised Style Podcast with all of your mending knowledge today. Thank you, Maria. I'm always happy to share mending and so happy to be back here with you. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. It's good to see you again. Now, there might be some new people listening. So can you tell us where we can find you on social media? My main social media platform is Instagram, where you can find me under Mending Mayhem. And uh, there is my, my mending work and I share other people's work and we have tips and ideas sometimes. Since my hobby has been ill for a while, I have not been able to follow as closely as I would. I also have a Facebook page, which also is uh, Mending Mayhem, and you can find the link from Instagram in my profile. There's a link tree, and we have a blog that I there sometimes share some tips for mending or useful things. I hope to be updating it much more now. I mean, you've got very good blog posts, and I know that you've got some really useful videos as well that people can look at. I'm just so pleased that you have the mending knowledge that you're happy to share with us on the podcast. Knowledge is to be shared with everyone. It's much better that way. And people need to learn to mend because it's a skill that is almost forgotten. But it's popular again. And that's great. It's good to see. Yeah. Today, you've got a new topic to talk about when it comes to mending. Yeah. Talking about reverse applique, but it's also very good for mending. It's a really fun technique that gives you a little special finish. It can, of course, be used in mending. Reverse applique is when you add layers of fabric underneath the original fabric and not on top like in the regular applique, revealing the underlying fabric as a feature. And someone might have tried this technique and even not realized it was a reverse applique, having an underpatch that is visible. Have you ever tried this reverse applique, Maria? I haven't tried it as yet, but I've seen examples where people use the underlying fabric is a stark contrast to the main garment, and it's really effective. Yeah, it is. Have you ever looked at the Alabama chain? I was going to ask you about that. They are great. I really love what they're making, and they have patterns too you can buy So check that account and you can get a lot of good ideas. I made a sweater for my sister once and I used ideas from that and made the entire front of a T-shirt with a different fabric underneath and it's really cool one. So when you did your sister's shirt, did you have to plan the pieces to cut out before you started? You had to find some template that you can use It had a few small stains, but it was really not very much mending. So I can just choose what I wanted to. Okay. But if you're using it in mending, it can be a bit tricky because the pattern you choose need to fit the whole of the stain, right? Yes. 
And I mended a singlet now. But first, I want to mention when you want to make a reverse applique, you can choose to have as many layers of fabric that you like. But for clothing, I recommend one or two, or it will be too thick and too stiff to use if you use too many layers. Okay. Of course, it depends on what kind of fabric you use. Like if you will use three layers of denim, it will be very thick. Yeah. But if you have some very delicate fabric, and you might get away with having three or four. Back to the singlet I mended. Yep. I bought this when I was in Trondheim because I only had wool clothes and it was sunny and warm and I was thinking I need something different to wear. And I bought a singlet and it was cold again, so I didn't use it. And when I came home, I discovered it had a big hole in the back. So, of course, it needed to be mended. I couldn't drive all the way back to Trondheim to complain it had a hole. That would have been how many hours driving? Five hours each way. Wow. And the singlet was uh, on sale, so it only cost $3. Well, it could be used for mending. I used only one layer underneath for this singlet. I have a shorts that I will talk about later, and that, that has two layers underneath. Before you start, you need to find out what kind of pattern you want to use. And if it will fit your mending project, like we talked about, it needs to fit the whole of the stain or what you are covering. And depending on what kind of fabric or your garment are made of, you might want to add backing to prevent it from fraying. My singlet is made out of t-shirt fabric, and so it's not fraying and it's easy and fun to work. So instead of fixing the one hole, I did make it an upgrade. I used a triangle as a template. It was really for some sort of macrame, but I think it was better as a template for this reverse applique. And I made sure the hole fitted into one of the triangles using a water dissolving fabric marker to draw the pattern. Those markers are like gold. Have you got a collection of them? Yeah. Do you? <laughs> no, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> what do you use to mark your patterns then? Taylor's chalk? Yeah, I've got Taylor's chalk because at least then I can sort of scrape it off. When you use the Taylor's chalk, you have to sew on that day. Otherwise, sometimes it disappears. Yeah. I remember my mom used some carbon paper when I was a child and I some wheel with some... Tracing wheel. Yeah, tracing wheel. That uh, looks really difficult. Do you do that too? Uh, yes, I use a tracing wheel and I have to have a very steady hand. It's the same with a water-dissolving fabric markers. If you have sweaty hands or something and want to embroider, it disappears. Yeah. I used a piece of an other T-shirt that was passed on to me as an underlayer for the singlet. Mm. I cut it a bit bigger and I trimmed it when I was finished. I pinned it in place, making sure it covered my pattern on the front. It's very annoying if you discover it doesn't cover the entire thing. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> then I stitch around the draw lines. You can uh, stitch by hand or machine, whatever you prefer. When you are finished, it's time to find a sharp scissor and keep a steady hand. Cutting only the top layer, close to the edge, but not so close you will cut the seam. That can be a bit tricky, but it's a totally worth the effort. And then I trim the back underlayer. And then it's ready to wear. And then I also have denim shorts that had a hole. And I started in the other direction. I was cutting first. You can do that if you like. Mostly I do this if it's, it's a big hole. But uh, if it's like with the T-shirts, I will cut after. 
And so I start by making clean edges around the hole. And I use two pieces of fabric for the underlayer. And they are a bit bigger than the hole, so it will be room for stitching around. When I use a woven fabric, securing edges, I usually use iron on backing. But you can also use zigzag stitch or a serger if you like. The Vintage Lady was a delicate and thin fabric, so I choose iron on backing here. I often see people skipping this step, and I still remember how annoying I thought my mom was when she taught me how to sew, nagging about zigzagging around the edge before sewing. It was so boring. Yeah, it would have been. I thought so, like a waste of time. Well, until uh, something I made frayed and the seam broke. That's not so funny. No, it wouldn't have been. But I learned the hard way. It's even more boring to have a lot of time and effort into something and it's ruined because I was lazy and skipped this step. Because if you don't secure the edges, the fabric will fray and your efforts will have been a waste. On my shorts, I pinned the two pieces of fabric in place and hand stitched around the edges. No scary cutting after you have been stitching if you do it this way. Katrine, can you tell us about how you use water-soluble embroidery stabiliser. You can find a pattern you want to use and then cut a piece of this stabiliser and uh, put it on top of what you want, the pattern you want, and you could use a pen and draw the pattern because it's see-through. And then uh, you put the pattern on wherever you want to embroider it. How do you then find the patterns? Where do you go to find them? I have several books with different patterns. Or I look for something online. I often search for colouring pages as they are very easy to copy. Okay. When you draw your pattern, pin it and establish it to the place you want to embroider it, then just embroider it as usual over both the fabric and the stabilizer. I feel it's a bit odd to stitch through the stabilizer sometimes, but I promise you the end result will be great. It's also very handy if you have a delicate fabric, making it more stable and easier to stitch. Like the dragon I stitched on my sister's shirt for Mend Marsh. When you are finished with your embroidery, put your work under the tap and let the running water do the job. Much easier than using see-through paper like I did earlier, as it's tricky to remove and it would tear while you stitch, and often makes your embroidery a little too loose. When you run the fabric through water, does that make the colour run as well? I haven't had the problem with uh, the fabric, but uh, I used to pre-wash my fabrics before I used them. So most of my fabrics in my uh, sewing room are pre-washed already. But if you are unsure, you should try to put it under water before you start. Okay. Can you tell us about how you use iron-on adhesive with glue? I often use this as backing when I make some applique or something. You have the one with glue on both sides, which I thought I could cover today. Okay. And it's really easy to use. It's often used when you do applique, you know, to put the motives in place. But it's also very useful if you're mending. And it's easy and fast. All you really need is a hot iron, a piece of adhesive, and a fabric patch, and a hole or stain to cover. And, of course, a pair of scissors to cut. You cut out a patch of your choosing and cut a similar piece of adhesive, put it on top of your hole or stain with the adhesive in the middle like a sandwich. Yep. And then you iron it in place. But you must make sure if it's a hole and you make sure it doesn't stick to the garment 
on the other side if you have a hole because it has glue on both sides. You can use the vinyl paper you use when you bake. Okay, so baking paper. Yeah, and then you're done. And you can, of course, choose to stitch on top if you like to. I often feel it looks unfinished, only ironing on, but it's up to you what you'd like to do. I prefer to stitch on it afterwards. I can imagine that you would prefer to stitch on it because then that yeah. adding design and it makes it look like Katrine's done this. Yeah. Right. If we can go back to the ironing and the adhesive and you use the baking paper, so you sandwich the garment and what you're ironing, do you have to also be careful of the sort of fabric you're mending? It must uh, not melt when it's too hot. My sister tried it for a bag and it melted a little, the fabric on her bag, so she had to mend another hole. It works better with cotton and you must check the label, see how, how much uh, heat uh, your fabric can take. That's good advice. Yeah, because you need the iron to be on the hottest. It won't stick properly, but probably fall off when you put it in a washing machine, for example. When you've used the adhesive, do you find that when that garment has been washed a few times that it still sticks? Yeah, mostly. If you didn't iron it hot enough or long enough, it can fall off. But like my shorts that does an embroidery on the back, it's mended several years ago, it's still stuck on the back. And it's been used quite much because it's my favourite. Even though we don't have so much summer here, it's several years old, that patch. You must have done a good job. Well, it was easy, just ironing on the back. <laughs> Katrine, thank you for telling us all about the different ways that you can use reverse applique in mending. It's my pleasure. I'm always happy to spread the word of mending. And I hope, hope it spreads very fast. But it's not dangerous, only it's very addictive. And it's good for the environment. And it's good for your wallet too. And it can also be good for your health because often mending is like meditation. Listen to Kate Ward and I must agree on much of what she says. It also can be like a painkiller. For me, it is like a painkiller because I can totally get into this project and forget everything. And I can forget that I have pains. So it's also good for your health. So it's a win-win, good for everything. You're right. Thank you so much, Katrine. Thank you for having me again, Maria. It's such a pleasure talking to you. You know, I love talking to you and finding out everything about mending. And I hope you have a lovely spring this year. Yeah, I hope so too. It's looking good at the moment. Sunshine and it's quite warm. I hope it will be much better from now. Just sunshine and warm weather. That would be nice. Fingers crossed. Thanks, Katrine. Thank you, Maria. And have a lovely day, listeners. This episode of Sew Organised Style podcast for the Sewing, Save and Mending series was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Katrine of Mending Mayhem, sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to Sew Organised Style podcasts, but with an S, not a Z, on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Stitcher, iHeartRadio and all good podcast distributors. Make sure you listen to previous podcasts by Katrine of Mending Mayhem. Send any questions or suggestions you have on our podcast website at soulorganisedstylepodcast.com or on our Instagram style account or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.